global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, just getting word of a $2 billion deal, Lico Global, which is uh, is acquiring Vizio for $2 billion as the Chinese technology conglomerate expands further in the U.S., Vizio is a maker of inexpensive flat-screen TVs. It will continue to operate at its headquarters in Irvine, California. Stocks fluctuating right now. We do have the S&P 500 index down 5 at 2163, a drop there of three-tenths of 1%. NASDAQ is lower by three points to 5,094, a drop of 0.1%. Dow Industrials down 74, a drop of four-tenths of 1%. The 10-year up 3.30 seconds, the yield there 1.56%. Gold higher, little changed, up 0.1% to 1320 the ounce. And crude oil now at 42.83 a barrel, a drop there of uh, seven-tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. Freeport McMoran, this is the largest publicly traded copper miner, says it no longer believes it has to sell assets in order to deal with the aftermath of a commodities meltdown. Instead, the company says it's going to sell new shares in order to help pay down debt. Well, if you're going to have to pay down debt, that means you've got some cash flow. What do you do with that money and how do you get it? John Love is the president and the chief executive of USCF, United States Commodity Funds, assets under management, $5 billion based in Redondo Beach, California. But John joins us in the studio. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. I mentioned Freeport McMoran really just as a kind of poster child for a company that has both mining assets as well as energy assets. What's your outlook for those particular industry groups? Well, energy is uh, one of our primary focuses. Uh, we actually uh, just celebrated the 10-year anniversary of our oil fund, USO, uh, today uh, rang the bell in the New York Stock Exchange. So tends to be our focus. Uh, energy, I think, as we've seen in the last uh, couple weeks, uh, some of the enthusiasm that, that we had uh, coming into summer has dissipated. I think there's some pressure on the market. The supply has not uh, fallen off as much as people expected, and uh, gasoline inventories are high. Oil inventories remain high. Production has come down, but there's definitely some concern that uh, there's still so much pressure uh, due to that in- inventory overhang. Um, we think we think there'll be some pressure going into the second half of the year. So, John, just gives a, a little bit of perspective on you and your company, uh, founded 10 years ago. An oil ETF, you know, they, they were around, but compared to that hyperbolic explosion of growth we've seen of ETFs, you're still a bit of a, a pioneer there. What got you into the, the, the energy sector? What got you to start this ETF? Sure. Well, when we first started looking into the space, there were actually no commodity ETFs yet out. Uh, ETFs were... Um, still, they were, like you said, about 10 years old as we started looking, but uh, nothing in commodities. So we looked, we considered a, a, a basket, we considered some kind of macro fund, and just as we explored options, it looked like oil was the best way to, to, to start. And indeed, uh, as we went through the process, uh, it paid off, and we launched uh, April 2006, and um, USO took off uh, very rapidly. So I think it was just the demand in the market, the interest from participants, and, and they definitely showed up uh, when we came to market. What does USO, this fund, what does USO actually own in order to mimic 
the price of oil. USO owns futures contracts. We're in the front month future until two weeks before expiration, and then we roll to the second month. Um, so we're perpetually always in the uh, the oil future and just can hold a continuous position going forward. And the significance of that is prior to USO, and if an investor wanted to do that, they had to open their own futures account, establish margin, roll a position, do all those things. And um, we kind of we're kind of the people who put it on the screen, I guess, so to speak, is uh, for, for your average average everyday investor. So, John, what do you tell people who say, you know, commodities, oil, that's not really an asset class? Uh, you know, I, I would disagree with that. I think that uh, if you look just at oil alone, then, yes, oil is a single commodity. Gold is a single commodity. But if you look at commodities in general, uh, which we think people should, uh, then I think I would consider it an asset class. But I, I agree with you that oil – on its own, it's it's something that you should look at tactically, just as you would look at a single stock. You want to uh, know the market and, and know what you're doing and, and be tactical with it. But I think that you can look at broad commodities as an asset class. As the strategy involves buying futures and then rolling to the next month, two weeks prior to expiration, everyone else must know that at two weeks prior to expiration, you're getting out. What has that done to the volatility of USO? It actually really hasn't affected it. Um, the the uh, Goldman role takes place roughly about the same time, just a little ahead of us. And there are a number of other players in the market. The, the entire market, anybody who's in the front month, has to close their positions before expiration. So while people know we're doing it, we are one player in the market. And we have not seen – we've done – studies just to see if, if we are affecting uh, roll price before, price after, and we have not found um, anything anything at all. So USO seems to be a, a pretty solid aggregated position. So uh, how did you get interested particularly in oil and commodities? And uh, we're based on, you know, put, putting this ETF together and, and overseeing this fund in this company, where's oil heading from here? Because, you know, once you got to about 50 bucks a barrel, the bulls are saying that's it. Maybe, you know, roar, but you could at least get to 60 or 70, have a bit of a pullback the last couple of days. Some people are saying, you know, you just can't get out from under that weight of a glut of global supply. Yeah, you're exactly right. That uh, weight, that glut is is likely to persist for, for a while. Um, I think this pullback is completely warranted. Uh, going in, you know, coming from spring into summer, as I said, I think that there was reason for optimism. I think there still is longer term. But right now, we have the overhang. We have um, gasoline demand that was strong in the first half of the year and actually was strong summertime, just wasn't as strong as it needed to be and as it was expected to be. So that has put some weight on the market as well. So I do think, like I said, pressure towards the end of the year. But as we get into 17 and, and definitely 2018, uh, I do think uh, without any unexpected events, supply balances, and we start to see that, that inventory come down eventually. Just quickly, is there any way to describe uh, easily uh, the discrepancy between the returns of USO and if you just plot the valuations of crude oil as a commodity? Uh, absolutely, uh, especially if you were on your on your Bloomberg terminal and you, you just look at the price of, of oil itself, you use the front month future contract. That is the, – the prices are correct. The prices are uh, an index of what's there every day, but that return is not achievable. It's hypothetical. So the prices are right. The returns are wrong. You have to adjust the, the price series back. You have to back adjust it for the role. And in that case, USO would roughly match what the uh, future does and has done. Ah, the endless utility of the Bloomberg. John Love, thanks so much for joining us. President and CEO of USCF, United States Commodity Funds, ringing the bell. At Stock Exchange today, happy birthday to your mom. She was there, too. Thank you very much. John Love, thanks so much. This is Bloomberg.
Coming up on Taking Stock, how is the consumer doing? Consumer confidence and the housing market. We've got that all covered. That's next. <laughs> 